I know what you're thinking. It's spelled B T T M L E S S. We only got rid of one of the vowels. My name is Kevin, and introduce your guys. It's um, yeah, it's two letters, but it's one vowel. Introduce guy. Introduce yourself. I was not ready, but this is Vincent. Uh, this is Leslie, which is pronounced less like the word less, and then Lee. Like in less. like as in bottomless. As in bottomless. bottomless. Yes. Bottomless Leslie. So uh, we're just three friends who all happen to be brown and we're doing the podcast. <laughs> Love that. So, so pertinent to what day it is in 2020, uh, Vince, I have my own story about how last week was, but Vince, how was, how was California and how was the fires and how was life with that whole thing going on with the weather? Yeah, as the representative of California, how are the fires? Well, on behalf of everyone that lives here, uh, we all think the same thing. Uh, it's actually not bad now. The air, I think today is officially moderate quality in Southern California. I can't speak for, well, in LA, some uh, some areas are still bad. But luckily, I can keep the windows open now. It was so bad last year. I think I told you guys I was sick, and it made me that much more sick. And I don't have AC, so I had to make the calculation, do I want to sweat and suffocate with clean air, or do I want to be cool with poisonous air? So lose, lose, love that for me. But luckily, it's over. Yo, yo, was it literally orange outside? Uh, not in LA. It was just smoggy, like yeah. super. Like I couldn't see in the distance. But and we drove said- back from the mountains, and it wasn't orange, but it was like, like it felt like driving through, and like the movie The Mist or The Fog. Like it was so. Yeah. So that was Vince's week: mountains slash LA or California fires and smog and. All that. Leslie, how was your week last week? My week was good. I had a bounce back week where the week before my Mm. brain was kind of like, you know, you have those phases where it feels broken during COVID and everything. So I was back this week doing better. Um, In Hawaii, we have, we're in lockdown where we're only allowed to go like into the ocean. Um, So I'll probably be doing that later today. And Nothing else significant has happened. Yeah, that's what's crazy. So Vince, I think is like, a, I think California is in between where like, it's not lockdown, but they're letting you like go out where there's like restrictions, like of course, masks, social distancing, X, Y, Z, which mm-hmm. it kind of like is like that where I am, but it's like hella lenient. Like some of these places in Florida where I am. So Leslie's in Hawaii, Vince is in California. I'm in Florida where I'm at. Some of these places are like, man, fuck them masks. Fuck all that social distancing. It's Florabama out here, baby. We well, I saw the, the protest in the Florida Target and honestly, it was inspiring. I was moved. I was moved. <laughs> you trying to bait me and I'm not going to fall for it, but I swear. Fuck them goofy ass motherfuckers. <laughs> it was embarrassing. But Fuck them goofy ass motherfuckers. Like a Fuck mass them. protest. Yeah, it was Did you so see the video? <laughs> it's just a, a group of um, uh, white people, margin and like a huge line saying like no mask, no mask, and just like rummaging through a Target, and people around them are just 
kind of recording them out of pity. Like I don't know if I've seen that one, but yeah, I've seen. It's embarrassing. Well, no, I think the person who was like, or well, the video that I saw, the person who was recording was like these dumb motherfuckers. Yeah, no, that was the video I saw too. But to be fair, they have a point. You start with the mask and then it ends with the mark of the beast. They're just doing their best to stop the, the rapture from coming. Mark of the beast. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Um, and then my week was crazy because of the Hurricane Sally that came and parked up on the Gulf Coast and threw her ass in a circle for two and a half days. Um, my power's back on finally. I was talking to Leslie and Vince for like two and a half days about how my power went out. And I mean, typical normal hurricane shit. If you live anywhere on the East Coast or anywhere in the Gulf, you're used to power going out. Worst case scenario, like your house got fucking destroyed and like, let alone power, water, slash you're trying to look for housing. Thankfully, I only had power go out for two and a half days. It wasn't that bad. Um, City near me. And he was using his phone like every minute of it, even though he didn't have power. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like hurricane pro tip, if you're not trying to drop a grand on a generator, just have like two or three external chargers for like external battery chargers for your phone and your laptop and just keep them bitches like souped up so that when the when the hurricane comes, you just keep charging your or through your car if you go looking for scavenging. Actually, I do the same thing, but it's just because I'm too lazy to get up and plug my phone in. So I just like to keep like an extra charger. That's just normal life. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm not joking, but. <laughs> All right, so. Let's Wait, actually, get... I have a quick question. Yes. Vince, do you prefer going by Vincent? Because I noticed that you introduced yourself as Vincent. Eric. Uh, I... I mean, it's kind of awkward to ask 11 years into friendship, considering I've always called you. <laughs> Well, to be fair, it's definitely changed. I have a slight preference for Vincent, but I don't have any strong opinions. I, I will introduce myself as Vincent, but I couldn't tell you if you guys call me Vince or Vincent like most of the time because I don't hear a difference. Okay, Yo, can we, talk about, can, we, can we talk about something real quick? So anyone, uh -oh. who, anyone who knows uh -oh. a some, anyone who knows a Leslie <laughs> pronounces their name Leslie. Like there's a famous artist whose name is Leslie Ryan and everyone pronounces it Leslie Ryan. So Leslie let us get like 20 years into a friendship before she decided to correct us that it was pronounced No, Les. you know what happened is that I <laughs> corrected them when, and Kevin was like, you know, I always noticed that you pronounced your name different than everyone else. And I always wondered why is she pronouncing her name wrong as opposed to like noticing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. She let us go like 10 years without ever telling well, us. Well, I feel like I probably said it once at the beginning, but then I don't want to like turn it into a whole thing. You know, I mean, I don't really mind. No, I understand. Yeah. <clears throat> She's been holding on to that, that pain and suffering yeah. for 20 years. In this podcast, we will be exploring that pain. Yeah. We, well, kind of. <laughs> Bottomless Leslie. Vince, you ever send an eggplant emoji to a girl? Oh, <laughs> I'm so, so upset. Wait, I actually want to know. So... And then, and then Les Leslie, get ready, because I'm want to. i going to ask you, don't answer yet, if a guy has ever sent an eggplant emoji to you. And Is that a did, thing? What, what you replied with. Is that a thing to do, like, un like unironically? I feel like that's not, that's not the move. Clearly, no, Kevin, no, like you said it is. So, turning the question back around, Kevin, how many girls in the last week have you sent that emoji to? <laughs> Yo, there's an ongoing narrative that clearly Vince has gotten Leslie onto, which is that I have hoes. And I want y'all to know, my last relationship was two, 
I think more than two. I mean, we might be coming up on three years. A crumbled two. I think, two. I, think I think we're. I think, we're I, think, I think we're coming up on two years from my last relationship. My phone and my my romantic life has been dry as shit. So join I, the club. There we go, Kevin. Platforming himself to find somebody through this podcast. Yeah, the actual the purpose of this podcast is to find. It's literally love. for Kevin to find. If you're single and Christian and ready to mingle, it's down to be an apocalypse, boo. Because, because if you if you and I say Christian because Leslie and Vince ain't fucking with you if you Christian if you Christian and ready to uh, mingle. Okay. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I mean, there's some truth in that, but anyways, uh, if you're ready to mingle, hit me up. Um, so in, so in other Vince, words, this is the podcast version of uh, Flavor of Love time. or Brett Michaels Rock of Love or Tequila Tequila Shot of Love. Um, I'm clearly Brett Michaels, Kevin's Flavor Flav, and Leslie's clearly Tila Tequila. Um, that's so racist. I'm not even black, but that's so racist. Oh, <laughs> that's why I switched up the, the, the race a little bit so no one can make that accusation, but Leslie had to be Tila Tequila. <laughs> can we insert some Tila Tequila music here? Thank you. Yes. So Vince, you, you, you have sent a girl an eggplant emoji before, even if I've, jokingly. I probably have done it jokingly, but I don't think I would have. Uh, that's, I feel like that's not that's not the move. <laughs> All right. Speaking of emojis, mm. Kevin, you've been using. It's even. I hope our listeners can understand it. Yeah, if you can pull it up. Sorry, yes. listeners, you'll have to do your best with me describing it. But it's the purple, very pixelated looking, like it's an old video or computer game octopus emoji and kevin's been using it left and right for the past several weeks there it is for our people on youtube is that from like galaga or something it looks like like almost like a galaga alien so the the reason this conversation came up was because was because i had a reason i was using it but leslie had a whole philosophy behind why she thought i was using it so before i explain why i was actually clicking it leslie you should explain what you thought the implications were Okay, and actually, real quick before we do this, because I don't think Vince had, like, intense opinions, but I'd be curious how you had been reading the emoji. You go first. I don't even know. <laughs> you it just read as a blank. <laughs> you just skimmed by it. I just feel like my relationship with emojis is a little more fluid, you know? It doesn't always mean something specific. Well, I don't think it, Okay. I felt like the way that Kevin used it was usually, like... First off, I feel like the octopus thing looks like it's raising its hands, like it's, like... So it kind of seemed like it was like in that vibe, but then it was like, it felt a little bit like you doing that, but sort of like behind a screen in the same way that the emoji looks pixelated. And it's like, it doesn't look like a real octopus. It looks like a translate, like it felt like a removed shrug slash sprinkle of spicy, like commentary. And I don't think that's always how you use it, but that's like the vibe that I got. I vibe with the shrug. I definitely co-sign that. My explanation for the emoji was number one, the emoji is like like well actually Kanye went on a whole Twitter rant about emojis and was like, there's so many lonely emojis. Y'all should be like we should use like emojis that no one ever uses. And so I picked that one because it looked like one that I'd never seen anyone use before. And then number two, it was pixelated. So like this this funny idea, this ironic idea of like the iPhone 12 is about to come out and our phones are getting so much better resolution, but then they decided to make one of the emojis pixelated. So like that contrast between you're holding a really high tech device, but then the image on it is pixelated. And then number three, Leslie, it's funny that you said shrug. Cause to me, the emoji looks like it's doing that. Like, you know, when like you're watching a sports game and people, and they make a goal like in soccer 
people go oh, like they do that. I like doing this. Like especially whenever I have like game nights with my friends. Like if I win, I like <laughs> hold my hands. <laughs> so I Aww, picked it. I love that. <laughs> so I picked it because it looked like a little octopus is doing like this. And then number four, which is like one of the major influences, was because literally Vince, Vince is like Vince's like social presence on the internet and then Instagram is like one of like ambiguity slash okay weird, slash weird, yes let's get into this slash, slash <laughs> his 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 psychological approach is like weirdness and like like emo but like but like hipster but very accessible and relatable at the same it's a strange oh. balance that he strikes <laughs> thank true. you thank this you this is true it's so hard work I, so then that's part of the reason why I picked like an awkward pixelated emoji was because I was like man in my head I was like Vince is kind of like I kind of I kind of I kind of use Vince, like artists will use Instagram pages or like things in their life as like a mood board or like a source of inspo. And so I was like, let me pick an emoji. Like what would Vince do? Like that was the thought of what would, so I picked that emoji and I was like, this is something Vince would pick, which it literally isn't. Vince always uses certain emojis, but I picked it also number four because of, I thought, what would Vince do? And I picked this pixelated low So see, there was a whole logic behind this emoji trying to invalidate my theory. Well, honestly, that was beautiful. I love this emoji a lot more now. Wait, but Leslie, you thought it was like this shrug. Thing. Wait, actually, you didn't even explain fully what you thought it, the whole approach was. Well, I did. I mean, I feel like what I said had some overlap with what you said, where I talked about the pixelation being like, it's a, it's a shrug, but it's a little bit like removed in the same way you were saying that you liked the contrast of like, it's forcing you, like it's a high resolution screen, but it's like... Mm. I mean, it's not the same thing, but I feel like conceptually it arrives at a similar point. Okay, but, but I, the con- I, a shrug is different than like a goal celebration. In, in, in the context that I was using it, of like you, I think you said you had like an a an an, an opinion or like a theory on the certain things I was using it on, like the posts that I was using it on. Well, no, I just meant that where you used it had given rise to my to like the idea that I shared. You mean like with Facebook? It didn't go deeper than that. <laughs> I thought I was more special to you, Leslie. Wow. <laughs> I will say that gives a different reading to your messages now. A more joyful celebratory reading that I missed yeah, before. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, we knew that that emojis yeah. were like a piece of literature that are, are multi-layered. So let's talk about Vince. I'm gonna be honest with you. We need to gang up on Leslie. Leslie's use of this thing. I number one, she's never used it with us. Number two, I feel like so she. Vince, <laughs> oh, it's insensitive to who? No, number two, it's, insen- number two it's insensitive to actual amputees who have bionic arms and legs because she doesn't have one and she's trying to be a part of an in-group that doesn't that she doesn't belong to. Yeah. And then number three, I feel she like... She basically I'm- used the N-word in an emoji oh. format for amputees. Go off. This is our first episode. <laughs> okay, for our... For the record, I'm black. <laughs> Me too. Me too. If Vince gets to no, 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 no. And for the record, having African blood doesn't necessarily make you black. Well, I digress. Okay, for our YouTube peeps, this is the emoji they're referring to. I have been really enjoying using this during COVID. Um, apparently, I have never used it with either of them. It's basically the arm, the strong arm emoji, but it's like a robot arm. But I mean, did you guys want to discuss that one for me? Or did you? My my others were good too. I feel like in context, I wouldn't differentiate that between like the normal like muscle emoji. 
when like oh, every I, that's interesting i differentiated it's funny i saw joe button use it on twitter and in my head i was like i need to understand why people are using this emoji because it doesn't make sense if you don't have an amputee to be using that emoji we gucci just keep rolling <laughs> Who's over? Who's at your house? So for our first episode, we actually have a guest. Yeah. Bring him in. So Leslie, I'm curious, because there is the regular arm and then there's the bionic arm, what made you use the bionic arm? Okay, first off, are you being serious about your thoughts on the amputee thing? Well, because when I saw the, yes, because when I saw, I mean, like, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not actually criticizing you or like yeah, saying yeah, you shouldn't yeah. be using but it. That's, but no, but actually that's interesting because I literally hadn't thought of it at all because I just wouldn't think this is they wouldn't make it in that context. You know what I mean? Way to ruin the emoji. <laughs> I know. Way- <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, but, but how do you read it? How did you, before I answer, like you said, so you had I, that thought process. Well, cause so, you know, there's like special Olympics and then like people who ever amputated, like people who do like those, it's like a bike race, but it's in a wheelchair and they actually race in the wheelchairs. So I took it as anyone who's like an amputee, or has like a prosthetic limb, like, cause you know, with runners who don't have legs, they actually use like those bio, like not bionic, but those metal legs with like those bend, yeah. like those bendable metal frames at the bottom. So I took it as anyone who's an amputee, it's like a, it's a, it's a symbol of pride for them of like, we're not letting our circumstance limit us or define us. Like we're still strong in spite of our circumstance or what happened to us. So it's like, I don't need like an actual arm. I can have a bionic or ampu- like a prosthetic arm, like a whatever. So I took it as that. So when I saw you use it and Joe Budden use it, I was like, maybe I'm misinterpreting this emoji. I, I, maybe I don't know what this actually means. Well, first off, I didn't know you had seen it before Joe Budden and me used it. Um, but second, that's actually a beautifully empathetic reading of it that I had not thought of at all. Hmm. So thanks for sharing that. But the way I was using it was like, the idea of, I mean, if this isn't actually it, but a short way to say it would be the power of technology. And like, it's definitely specific to like a COVID feeling where it's like, ugh, like, I feel like COVID has taken down some barriers that I usually have. And like, definitely like merged, flattened some things, maybe more open to social media in certain mm. ways and like connecting with people on there and like certain ways of expressing on there and it connects to a lot of other things but yeah i just feel like covid has and and not just covid but everything that's happening in 2020 it's like in the same way that you know rgb on a screen can create a brightness of colors that and like an artificial beautiful colors that you could never get in real life just because of the nature of like there's light shining through the color pixels yeah yeah i guess that's kind of how i feel about that emoji it's like the specific space of technology and social media and the way that it's so heightened in how we're using it during pandemic and during everything else in 2020. And so it's kind of like a happy little like embracing and like, we know what it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, actually it does. It does. Yeah. Which is funny because, yeah. Which is funny because Joe Budden is like having a big, let me see, what is it right now? September 20th, 2020. He's having a, he's leaving Spotify, which is his podcast is platformed on Spotify. And the last day was like yesterday, but he was having a big argument about like, the value of an artist, especially if the, if the artist is utilizing tech and just this new world we're in and how artists need to view the power of technology. So him using it at the time he used it, and I'm not sure what the subtweet was, but it would make a lot of sense if it was the power of technology and artists coming into a headspace or just human beings coming into a headspace of like understanding and admiring the power of technology. Well, that and also like giving in to sort of like 
flattening yourself into certain spaces, which flattening sounds like a negative connotation. I should think of a better word, but it's like, there's a beauty in that way. Whereas honestly, before I feel like sometimes I would like resist because I was like, oh, this doesn't feel like real or like, I don't want, but now it's like, wait, this is a whole symphony happening over here. And like, I'm enjoying a lot of the notes and like, mm. yeah. Okay, that's legit. So that has nothing to do with <laughs> with people who don't have an arm, but I like that reading too. And I will <laughs> keep it in mind. <laughs> Cultural appropriate Vince. Vince has a really obscure emoji that he's used for two years and I've never asked. In the context of this conversation, I feel like my emojis are less obscure. (laughs) True. So for those who are listening and not watching on YouTube, it's the moon with like the eyes to the side and the smiling moon face. And Vince has used it for two years and I've even like used it as well because I infer, I try to infer, which is like, you can never infer with Vince because he's like so in the weird space. But I try to infer what it means and use it. But I swear to God, I don't know why he uses it or what it means. So Vince, now that we're having a conversation, what the fuck? What do you guys think it means? So sometimes Vince, when he's being like, when he's being weird in person with you, he makes this face like, or he, he does like- he, he, does just, little, he literally just did it, didn't he? <laughs> well, he made, he, made like a, he made like a grimace It's a different face. face. Or sometimes Vince like does a little dance where he like wiggles one leg. Like Vince does this thing where he knows he's being intentionally awkward or creepy with you. And when he does it and he gets the desired effect of you being creeped out, he like gets all like in his, in his, in his like happy bag. So whenever he's used that, that emoji, I take it as like, it's his confirmate, like his expression in that moment of I was being weird or I was being Vincey, whatever Vincey means. And so that emoji is like a, like like a cap or like a signature on my moment of weirdness that's beautiful i feel like definitely i had my interpretation it has always had undertones of that feeling without that being my actual interpretation but like with that as a foundation i kind of read it as like it's the moon without it's like a completely eclipsed moon or it's without any of the sliver of like you know what we see as the moon and so it's like the other side and it's also like mm. a black smiley face. <laughs> so honestly, and meaning what? I meaning what? Meaning what? That since <laughs> since this is black, it was like a nice little like you know, it's like a. <clears throat> mm. Well, we know so Leslie has a very interesting relationship with her emojis. <laughs> um, the reason why I use it, I don't, because I, I like it. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I, I feel like Kevin basically described how I use it, but I also use it just like a normal smiley face and like a smirky face. I don't know. I, I pick emojis, I, but I feel like I use emojis that aren't used a lot because it's a blank slate for people, for me to use it in whatever way I want and people to yeah. associate it with me. Build your little lexicon. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. real. That's real. I but it's not that. as obscure as the bionic arm or the fucking... I don't feel like the arm is that obscure i guess i thought that most people would read it the way that i use it like i wasn't trying to be obscure <laughs> like yeah okay. we're on the same page right and then you sent us some weird like i don't even know what you sent us oh okay just real quick what is that speaking of emojis and making friends via emojis and eggplants vince have you ever tried to start a relationship using emojis you ever slid into somebody dm with an emoji and tried to like i want to talk to you i don't think so if I did, I'd probably just do the eyes emoji. With somebody you didn't know. 
Okay, to be fair, there is no appropriate emoji introduction, so I feel like they're all fair game. Unless you're just sitting like a heart if like you're responding to something or like a fire emoji. I do, I throw some fire emojis every now and then. That's actually really funny because I did sort of make a new friend during COVID and like once we converted from Insta DMs to like texting, the first messages were like just a group of emojis from them and then a group of emojis from me. Which emojis? I don't, oh. I swear well, to God, I, if it's all eggplants, I'm gonna lose my, my mind. It's all water droplets and eggplants. And I'm gonna lose my mind. And peaches and fire and lip uh, lipstick. No, actually, they did like the first letter of their name with a bunch of different emojis that clearly related to their vibe, and then I replied with a bunch of emojis spelling mm. L. That I don't like them. I don't I, like them. Well, it's not for you. <laughs> oh, but yeah that does relate to the larger topic of like I feel like something on our minds and on everybody's mind right now is like how we relate to people during COVID and during you know this election year in particular and yeah just like how we relate to people already in our lives whether they're friends um, and then like it's such a new thing. I mean, Kevin keeps on bringing up like dating. So that obviously, but also just forming any new relationships right now has definitely been distinctively different mm -hmm. for me as far as like the process and the outcomes. So I was curious to talk about that with you guys. I don't know if we want to start about, start out with like how we're relating with people already in our lives. And like, well, do you guys feel like you've met made? I mean, clearly you have, but have you guys made like new friends in COVID? I don't, I'm not sure if I have really. I've made a couple of new friends. And it definitely specifically was helped by just it being 2020, <laughs> like the things that we connected on. Yeah. Let's be real quick for my input. Leslie's talking about making friends during COVID. This was me, like even just trying to make friends, forget making friends, this was, this was me. Let a nigga smash. Let a nigga beat up on the booty cheeks. First of all, not this show and tell. <laughs> so Leslie's talking about making friends. Let's get down to the, to the real before okay, I get back. So Kevin, when you said you made friends, did you not mean you made friends? I made, I made friends during COVID. Define I friend. Made, define I, make, define friends, define during, define COVID. <laughs> so I made, so I, someone that I didn't know before COVID, we became acquaintances and they've been coming over. We've been having like game nights at the house with a bunch of friends, like six or seven of us will like come over and play like um, board games or card games or like, there's like a black, a thing called Jackbox where you can go onto a website and play a bunch of different games on, on someone's platform. So yeah, I've, I've made at least beautiful. I've made, made a couple friends during COVID. But what I was trying to allude to was the idea of like, if you, if anyone who thought 2020 was going to be the year you found like a girlfriend or a boyfriend, boy, did COVID come and fuck that shit up. I don't know. I feel like for some people, it probably aided and abetted. You know, Leslie, like it's a more situation. Leslie, do share. No, I'm not saying for me. I'm saying for people. <laughs> I do know a couple people. I know at least two couples 
that uh, met like right before COVID, maybe at the beginning, and they have already living together. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's like an accelerated, more intense, like if you guys can be apocalypse booze, like, you know, it's probably going to work. That's so funny because I feel like both gen- both pe- both parties are more desperate. So it's like, it, <laughs> Maybe so, all the guy- <laughs> so all the guys, it's like, yo, if you can catch her during COVID, she's already desperate. And like, it's like being oh. in the desert. It's in the desert with no water. So it's like, normally she's at the club. She's doing, so she wouldn't give you the time of day, but she is locked down and she can't see no one you're not really making me feel good because uh <laughs> if i'm not if i'm not catching the desperates what you trying to say i'm curious for our, our listeners for all two of you and like for us you know how much we actually talk about like the larger situation in the world and like obviously mental health is something like everyone is dealing with at different levels like how it's affecting their mental health right now so like how much do you guys incorporate like talking about current events into like you know your work relationships and like your existing friendships and like I don't know I guess I've just been been thinking about the weight of like you know a question like how are you and how that's just it feels different now maybe that's just Mm because I'm a very like emotional like sensitive to different things person but yeah like you guys so, or do you tend to like skirt away and not try to like deal with it, especially like at work? Maybe we could start there. I think I'm lucky in that my work is probably a better environment to talk about those things. So I do feel like, especially as it relates directly to the pandemic and like anything directly related to like our quarantine situation, that's always a topic of conversation. But even like civil unrest um, and mental health as it relates to like uh, just being cooped in the house or especially as it relates to productivity at work I do feel like it's talked about decently enough but I, I don't know if I can picture it being as as topical at any other place that I've worked at but it's it's nice so I, I, I feel like I can say like oh like today it's been really hard to be productive I can't wait to go back in the office like this is literally driving me insane and like that's that's okay to talk about even with my boss to an extent like i'm not trying to get that comfortable but i mean they she basically gave me the week off after like the george floyd protest and i don't know any place else that would have done that like not pto like literally just like if you need if you want to work you can if you want to lay in bed you can so i think i'm just i'm in a a, a lucky situation do you not just like, oh, quarantine isn't affecting my productivity or like, oh, I need to take, yeah, like some time for my mental health after the George Floyd protests. Do you feel like also though, a more of a merge between like how you're actually, like not just, I don't know how you're actually doing like with your coworkers as like a part of a necessary part of your work life because it's also concentrated and fused right now. Whereas- mm-hmm. You know, normally it's like you have your work self and you have like your personal life self. Yeah. I definitely, I mean, I, I feel like I would, perf- I, my preference is not to have it so mixed and like not to talk about it in the context of work. So I've, I'm not sold at how helpful that is to an extent. Like, I, I don't know, I, at some point I need to do my job and me having, needing a day to myself. Like at some point, I feel like that's like a, a bad thing in the context of like, I mean, a corporate company that's making profit more than anything else. Um, so definitely more, like if we were in a pandemic, I don't think it would be as much of an open conversation. Um, 
or I would even feel as comfortable. I, I do feel like we have a little bit of extra license because we know we're all dealing with it. Well, being that I'm in the military. Um, yeah, the first my, one to reveal their work field. So, <laughs> Vince, you're up next. Um, so here's the funny thing. I'm joking. Here's the funny thing about the military is like, it can, I think people think the military has one, what's that word when it's like one monolithic? monolithic. They think of like one monolithic experience across every state. Or even like, regardless of state, like you could be in Japan, you could be in Hawaii, you could be in Germany, you could be, you could be in all these different places across the world. And I think they all just think of it as one monolithic experience. So I'm going to speak on my experience, but it's so specific to Florida that it's like, there could be people in like, literally Georgia who are like, that is not my experience, let alone the military of the air, which yeah. I'm in the branch of the air force. They're like, that is not, I'm in the air force. And like, that is not my experience. Um, yeah, there, there's this weird thing about the military where like, there's, I think there's a higher level of comfort of talking about things. And I don't know if it's the, by the nature of the job, because we're all kind of agreeing to doing something that has like this very specific agenda and mission to it. And so because of the agenda and the mission, because the military can be so polarizing as it is, because we're already in something that can be so polarizing, there's a level mm -hmm. of openness and willingness to talk about things and have conversation. And because of course, by virtue of just the nature of the job, the military is predominantly male, and I don't know what it is about males being around other males who agree to do the military job, that there's just an openness to talk about like political things, social things, personal life things, if it comes up, if you're comfortable with your coworkers. Um, but the, the, the- That's interesting. I actually wouldn't have guessed that. I wonder if that's mm -hmm. like more so in, you, in like our generation. Cause you know, my, so my dad's, retired, my dad's retired army and I feel like that was never, but also he was also like, you know, came here from Korea when he was 30 so like the language was that's harder true. but anyway sorry that's just really interesting I did not guess that um so yeah so uh, but what I will say the caveat is that to that is like the one thing that's still highly avoided in the military in terms of taboo that they actually have people trying to break the stigma around it by hiring clinical psychologists by hiring medical professionals by hiring people to come civilian people to come in and like have like seminars and like it's a required annual training that every year every military person will go to a suicide awareness training for an hour or two hours it's a required thing that like when you get to a new base you'll go through a suicide awareness briefing the one thing that's not talked about especially in the midst of covid that even with covid maybe being a catalyst for um, worsening mental health conditions and people who have mental health issues is mental health is still a widely avoided topic. So like amongst my friend circle, like we have that open talk a lot and frequently just because I have, although me, I'll just be open and honest about it. I have very frequently, very, very frequently passive, what, what a clinical psychologist would call passive suicidal ideations. Because I'm, a, because I'm an artist, like I, I think I'm just like that outside of my art and my personal relationships where I'm just open to talk about things. So within my friend group is a very unique where we talk about mental health and suicide thoughts and suicidal and all these things. But within the military context, people have fear of like, what if I lose my job? What if I get kicked out of the military? What if they put me on medicine? What if I can't, what if I, if you have a clearance, what if I lose my clearance? So there's all these um, stigmas and fears because honestly, people don't have a lot of education about like the spectrum of suicide, of not only suicide, um, suicidal thoughts, but mental health, that it's almost treated like, no, it's just one, one thing. And if you even say the word suicide, they're going to throw you in the nut house and take away your job and all your life, your livelihood. And so we just kind of avoid it. Even if I have thoughts mm -hmm. about it, I don't want to let anyone know. Almost like, like back in the day with the Salem witch trials, like if, if they even like had a, a, a hint, a whiff, you might've been a witch, even if someone just wanted to accuse you wrongly, it's like, you're going in the, 
we're, we're burning you at the stake. So it's kind of like that in the military where it's like, we don't talk about that because that's like, that's like icky. We don't want it. It's taboo. And we don't want anyone to like lose their job. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that actually, so that was part of why I had such like two weeks ago was a really hard week because someone who I know was like finally going to start going to therapy mm. um, and they're a veteran and they were going to go through the VA and mm. and I checked in with them and, and they didn't go to their first therapy appointment. And I was like, oh, why? Like, you know, it was their idea. They were actually really excited about it. You know, like they wanted to. And they were like, actually, like when it came down to it, they were too scared. Basically, they got put, they tried to put this person in handcuffs, which I hadn't known before, but like they had gone before because they felt like they were a danger to themselves, you know? Yes. Yeah. And um, they talked to, you know, a therapist. And then when they started talking about their suicidal thoughts, they literally like brought someone in and tried to handcuff this person. And I hadn't known that. And I, like literally my brain broke. Like I literally, like my brain was broken two weeks ago. Like I couldn't even eat because it was just like, how especially like okay in the army where they're supposed to be extra like hey this is the va this is literally dedicated to taking care of people who have like ptsd let alone anything else and it's like the last thing in the world you know unless they're like actively holding a knife and like trying to stab yeah. themselves you know yeah so um apparently in that instance uh the person was able to say like please don't do that like you're going to make it so much worse. Like, like, please don't put me in handcuffs. Like, at least just let me have my dignity while you like ambulance me to the ER. Um, but because of that, they're like, I just, I'm too scared to go back. I don't want to be put in handcuffs. Like it will destroy me. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It's, it's very indicative that like in the army, you're saying like, it's easier to talk about those things, but it's a liability issue. Like when you talked about why people don't want to talk about suicide, they don't want to lose their job. They don't want to like, the reason why their policy is to put people in handcuffs who are seeking help at the VA is because they don't want to be held liable just in case anything happens. So they'd rather wow. subject that person to literally being in handcuffs sent to the ER to help them with their suicidal thoughts because yeah. they, because they don't want a lawsuit. Yeah. No, that's, listen, that's, that's the weird thing. So I know everyone, like, Colt, like, it's, I don't, I'm trying to think of another time in history where the entire world was subject to such ex, ex, extreme circumstances. Mm. So it's weird because, like, on the one hand, everyone's going through COVID and anyone who had mental health before COVID just, it, it, it probably exasperated their mental health issues. But yeah, the unique subculture of the military across all domains of like U.S., outside of U.S., of course, there's already mental health outside of the military and in the military. So when you take the military, which is its own unique bubble, you take mental health, and then you just throw in the ingredient of COVID, and then it, it, it's well, just and really- massive civil unrest, unlike any, for good reason, you know, and then yeah. not just civil unrest that's distressing, but civil unrest that's for a cause that I think all three of us are very yeah. much like, yes, like, yeah. yes, please, like- um, but you know what you bring up, I'm actually interested to ask, I feel like Vince and I could both talk about, so you talked about your experience with how it is like in the military and then mm -hmm. Vince works like a nice corporate job and I'm actually in the nonprofit sector. So it's interesting. So I feel, I feel like I understand what you said about the military and then what Vince said. Interestingly, I'll just throw this out there. Shout out to any one of our listeners who joined, who's in the nonprofit sector. Um, I'm coming up on my first year of being in this sector and like 
uh, transitioned into it after having worked as an editor before. Mm. And uh, I'll just say that like, my thoughts are with you guys in the nonprofit world because it's really interesting. Like, mm. you know, idealistically you would think, oh, like working at a nonprofit but during something like this would be extra, you know, cause everyone like they want, they care and they want to help people and da, da, da. And in some senses it's true, but it's also actually really easy to be super like unhealthy because it's like, because your, your goal is not making profit, but like, you know, serving whatever populations your nonprofit is geared toward. It's like, you know, it, it's very much like we all, and we all care about it, but then it's like, well, then there's no like clock in clock out like the job is done like we met our whatever it's like there's ever growing need especially as a result of COVID-19 yeah so it's just been like we've had to have a couple we we actually had like a staff oh wow <laughs> Basically, uh, like a staff breakdown on the <laughs> we were like all right everyone at the same time is kind of like you know just hey guys like we're all really in an unhealthy work-life balance where there isn't as much as there should be and like hmm. you know what yeah. what about like the situation um if you guys are able to i guess extract like i'm curious like what exactly like obviously mental health is a topic of conversation but what exactly about the situation is so exacerbating right like i, I feel like for me my mental health journey is a little bit different in that I've been on a, there's like a separate mental health journey of like depression, anxiety that I was already dealing with. That's a divorce of this and is arguably like getting better, but it's, mm. there's a separate like quarantine related journey, which has its own ups and downs. So I feel like I've been trying to process like what unique triggers exactly are forcing these ups and downs. And I, I feel like it has to do like to answer the question first, more so with just that lack of, um separating things like work and life and personal life is probably the most obvious one but being cooped up in one place and having to context switch all the time for some reason i i actually i mean i, I don't really know why but it's it's challenging it's like demotivating it's hard to be as invested in everything and i i literally don't know why but i feel like that's a, a form of a trigger somehow. Do you guys know exactly what it is about this situation that is so taxing and Do you know, what do you mean by context switch? Cuz I really like that language and I feel like it makes sense, but what do you mean by it? Uh just like I mean like literally at 5 p.m. I'll be sitting literally at this table oh. <laughs> doing work and at 5:30 I will be watching YouTube at this table. At 6 p.m. I will be FaceTiming someone from this table. Um, and it just feels like I'm, I'm 6 30 PM. I'll be eating from this table. It's just like, I'm doing everything at home. And there's something about that, that at times I don't mind because I, I do like being a homebody. So in, in a normal time, like spending a week like this, I probably enjoy, but there's something about it now that's just so demotivating. And I think due to that demotivation and like, I'm not as productive I'm not as energized. I feel like those things like get me down for some reason. Yeah. Such a good question. My opinion on it, I guess. Um, what I will say is it's, it's when I was in school and schools were talking about making uniforms mandatory as like my 14 year old self who thought I knew the world and understood life was like, you did clothes don't change whether or not I'm going to be more, but like 
getting older and realizing like, if it's gloomy outside, I dress a certain way. If it's sunny outside, I dress a certain way. If I'm hmm. in a mental health situation. So like, there's something to be said about like, so for example, the church that I'm currently plugged in with, the pat me and the pastor were having a talk and he was like, man, it's so weird how the dynamic of interaction with people changes over. Cause we're not, we're not, we're still not meeting in person. We're meeting online. And he's like, the dynamic of how people interact with us and our content changed. The, 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 the dynamic of like people responding to the sermons changed. The dynamic of, like there's so many dynamics that are different online. And I, so as I started hearing these things, like what you're saying about like the same table that I do work, same table I call friends, same table I eat. There's something to be said about atmosphere and energy. So like atmosphere creates an energy. And sometimes like for whatever reason, our mind associates like, like which is kind of funny because like me and Leslie being Asian, like feng shui and the spacing of like, but yeah, walking into a different environment and our minds associating the work environment with a certain energy that puts us in a headspace. Um, even down to the fact of like some workplaces, we're going to make you wear a certain uniform because it puts you in, because the clothes have an energy and that uniform carries an energy of work with it. And so- well, That's the first thing that came into my head. Like, you know, those fast food, like diners and stuff where they have like the striped hats and that was the first. <laughs> I love a good, good burger hat. Yes. So it's weird to like, man, yeah, it's been weird to like, Mm. I have to sit at the same table that's supposed to be a space of leisure and comfort and, Mm. and calmness. And you're, you're, you're gonna, you're basically because of the circumstance, I'm required to now like desecrating the sacred vibes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a loss. You're losing that space in a sense. Like we've lost the, this isn't home. This is home plus work, home plus all the above. Yeah. Yeah. yeah facts super facts the last thing i was gonna say even with a married couple where the wife is like don't bring or like a husband's like i'm not gonna bring work into the home because like when i get through the door i leave work because they understand even conversationally it can carry energy of like stress and anxiety or burden and so the idea of like you guys said sacred and consecrating or like desecrating it's like man now you're asking me to like pour this this desecration onto this place and this area that was so sacred to me because it was the one place where i didn't let work get in the the door yeah i was gonna say for that exact reason behind me you'll see well i covered it in a blanket that was my attempt at kind of like a cutish changing my back love that <laughs> my blanket but it's actually a baby crib for like when my nieces come over and we specifically, my sister helped me rearrange my room once pandemic had been here for a bit so that it's like my desk here where I do work. And then the crib like is a visual block between my desk and my bed. Cause before my desk was like right next to my bed and it was just like, it felt awful. Cause I would like mm. finish work and then maybe like walk two feet and plop down in bed and like, you know, decompress on my phone or something. And I hated it. Um, but I will add that actually what both of you guys are talking about as far as the melding between vibes in between spaces in between work life and personal life part of it i actually really like especially at the beginning of the pandemic where like i remember i mentioned events when we were talking how like on a couple facetimes i would see like some of our board members kids running around or they would run Mm -hmm. up and be like mommy mommy and like i loved that and just some of the situations that came out of it were like maybe we'd be working and like you know a coworker would be eating and i would find out oh they're like really good at cooking this type of food and i wouldn't have known that so in some ways, and just the, the sense that I feel like we all had to survive this, no matter where you work, like to survive this, we've all had to sort of add a layer of like humanity to each other, where it's like there's room for like COVID becomes a placeholder for like, hey, we just understand if like something big comes up or whatever. Whereas I feel like that should always be there anyway. So in some senses, I feel like that's been good. But I think that the 
unhealthy part is, I mean, I just agree with both of you where. You know, it's, it's kind of like, um, not that I would know from personal experience, it's just from reading and watching movies, but my understanding of doing psychedelics is like, if you have a bad trip, <laughs> um, you, the, the, to stop the trip from going bad is you change your setting, right? So you go to a different room, but like in the context of COVID, you can never change your setting. I mean, literally you can, right? Yeah. You can take a walk, which I take walks, um, but that concept largely has been removed. And I feel like that's also, even if it's not specific to like, oh, I'm taking work at home, but whatever it is, work, personal, um, if there's some negative piece to it, to change the setting is like a lot harder now because your options for settings are far and few between. Yeah. I can go to my living room or my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. or- <laughs> you can go to the bathroom yeah. or you can be alone. Maybe yo, sit in your car. Yo, 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 yo. Yeah, I actually have during COVID a few times just like gone on drives like around the island. I live on Oahu and like I've like gotten some good music together and that's been like a form of self-care to get out and about. And man, I that's thought of something. What was it? Oh yeah. I'm also curious about, I feel like there were a bunch of memes that popped up again at the beginning of the pandemic about how like extroverts were dying and it was like introverts time to shine you know like extroverts it's so much harder on them and like I have one friend in particular who's the most extroverted person I've ever known you both know her Sarah um and she literally (laughs) like it hit her so hard and for me I was actually truly like thriving and blossoming like for the first bit like (laughs) it was like so good for me (laughs) I was like oh this is such a relief and even like I distinctively noticed so my sister is much more extroverted than me. The way that we've come to describe it is I am extroverted because I'm introverted. So in the sense that my core is introverted, but because of that, and I have need and I like people, I go out into channels of extroversion. She's Mm. introverted because she's extroverted. So at her core, she's extroverted, but like, because of that, you know, she explores the channels of introversion, if that makes sense. Mm. So anyway, like our relationship has just been great because through no fault of her own when I had to be, you know, in person at the office every day and like it's a small office and like with two other people close and we're talking all day, I would get home and just like not have as much energy for interaction, you know, and like she meanwhile works from home and would be like starving and like ready oh to go and, God. <laughs> and I would just, you know, especially so we've lived together for a year now and especially our first couple months, it, it caused so much frustration on both of our ends because she would get so hurt that I'm like what we haven't seen each other all day and I'd be like it is not about you like I need to be able to go to my room shut the door and be alone for an hour before I have like the capacity to like enjoy (laughs) any more interaction but now we've just been yeah thriving in our own little self-sustaining ecosystem where it's just us with each other (laughs) but I'm curious for you guys because I know you are both introverts in your own expressions of that and like I don't know. I feel like it's made it a little easier on me, even though it's not as easy as it was. Overall, I still feel like it's easier on me than my more extroverted friends. Yeah, I I definitely think, like especially it's it's been long enough where the the parts I enjoyed I enjoy a little less. Yeah. But <laughs> I I do enjoy, and I I mean I just got my own space too. I do appreciate as someone that likes to be at home and likes to have space that I have that, um, and I have a lot of it. It's just, I wish that wasn't all I had. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. 
yeah. Um, like it, like to an extent, it it does feel good. It's like recharging, but. Can you imagine if there were a pandemic that did the opposite, where it like forced us all to like constantly have to like be with each other and never? Oh, I would lose my together. shit. That would be yeah. That would be the someone end. would like, die. Yeah, me or the people around me, but some someone would would die. <laughs> Someone's gonna die. Agree. I, I, yeah, when Lizzie asked the question, now I'm trying to think of a circumstance. I thought of movies like, well, yeah, no, no, no. I'm like, there's a Batman movie where for whatever reason everyone like was huddled into a building, and then I think there was a movie called like 2012 or like some kind of like ice storm or like global mm. tidal wave, and I feel like okay. everyone went. Yeah, I remember yeah, that movie. Yeah, like everyone like bunkered into a library, but yeah, that's an interesting yeah. idea of like everyone. But same. I mean, in that context, there might be bigger fish to fry where your mental health is more concerned with you know dying and like climate catastrophe. So maybe there, maybe you have different priorities. But honestly, at no promises, I might still go insane. Oh wait, have you guys seen Lost? Like no sprinkles. I know that you've been talking about it for the past month. <laughs> Basically, they all cra- they all crash on an island, so it's like. You can go be isolated if you want oh, to, but the yeah, be- yeah. best chance of survival is like sticking together, having community, having yeah. No, that's an interesting idea. Um, Fun fact: yeah. Daniel Day Kim from Lost is in Honolulu right now, which I know because he posted an Insta. Is he the it's one that slid in your DMs? <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um. No, no, I'm kidding. But like. Oh. It's cool. Living on Oahu, I feel like there's a couple celebrities like that where I'm like, oh, I didn't know like they have a house here and they're around. And it's literally such a small island. So I feel like there's, I have a chance of brushing with someone famous like Vincent L.A. Have you, have you run into anybody famous or like seen a film set or something? Uh, for sure. I've seen film sets um, besides the ones that I was starring in. Um, oh. <laughs> uh-huh. I can see one little bonus clips that oh, subscribers God. of a certain degree of involvement yeah that's top level patreon membership gets you exclusive video of me and my daytime tv career um <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i, I definitely have like random celebrities not as much as you'd think i thought this was gonna say top level I, I thought this was gonna say top level subscriber on patreon can you get you an in-person meetup with vince in la i was like damn he giving oh, no. out all- oh i like oh, that no, no. if the top level subscriber i mean depends on how much that is I uh, I've seen what have I seen? I saw like Jason Derulo. I saw them more. I feel like when I was dancing because I would be at studios and like there like auditions. Like Jason Derulo was at an audition. Um, Fun fact: We all enjoy dancing, or used to, or still do, or in some way like enjoy. Mm-hmm. Subscri- subscribe to our Patreon, and we'll upload improv yeah. videos. And what she and, and, and what Leslie is leaving out is like. We all used to dance. We've all choreographed before. We've all been a part of dance like groups or dance teams, and then together, like, we've all together. we all were on the same. Let's just say it how it is. We all were on the same church hip hop sort of like praise group. <laughs> Amen. And would do performances for a very large mega church in North Carolina. And, and oh, fun. have the mighty have fallen! How do you guys think? Do you guys feel like? the conversation of mental health looks different or feels different or how do you think this pandemic will change the way we talk about it like the form or even like the frequency Mm. well I already know that like a lot of insurers have changed their policies right to where like it will cover therapy or mental health services that they previously didn't at least I've heard that I haven't looked into mine which I should but like as they all fucking should but that's sick but that's somewhat happening I mean, mostly I just wonder if in the same way that 
so many other movements that all relate to each other, like interrelated crises that were already happening before COVID, but that are more so in the national conversation now. I wonder if mental health, like there will be sort of like a movement, because I, I haven't been aware of a more centralized movement to push for like better ingrainment of mental health care into like, you know, our policy and our our society. So I wonder if mm. that would happen, you know, does that make sense? No, it does. Yeah, yeah hope, I, 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 it's weird. I don't consider myself pessimistic, but I just feel like there's a lot of things, circumstances of like, of course the social upheaval, um, and a, which is like the, which is like probably top tier in terms of social issues that need to be addressed that became obvious during COVID that we all knew were underlying issues in our country, but then was became just a highlighted issue. And we know was like the top thing that needs to be addressed in 2020. And I feel like mental health, it's it's being discussed, but not as as openly still. And I feel like COVID, yeah. I feel like mental health is one of the things that co- that that COVID was like prime real estate to like. We need to talk about this. Like this needs to be talked about. But it's it was not like an excuse. About. That's the thing. I feel yeah. like it became, and and for people who have always maybe been like ashamed or like it's harder, you know, because it's like embarrassing or there's taboo. It was like, oh well, you know. COVID actually and I'll just yeah. say it you can tell me if you think this is wrong Kevin but I've seen people in my life who enter the military and then because of having been through a deployment or you know having gotten diagnosed with PTSD or something if that in the same way serves as like oh well now I can now I can talk about mental health because I've been through something so hard yeah. you know whereas like for some reason we don't treat ourselves as like hey if I'm having anxiety or depression even if I can't point to a specific horrible traumatic event I went through I guess it's just embarrassing and like I have no reason you know so now it sort of gives everyone like well we all went through COVID so yeah that's so that that is the that is a good point the military does do that with a lot of people especially if because of the military you became someone who was more susceptible to suicidal thoughts or mental health issues or mental health struggles the military definitely does open you up more if you were able to number one internalize it in the military deal with it and then talk about if the, the most important thing is in the military is people who are able to deal with it outside of the military or people who while they were in the service were able to vocalize it which i think which i think is applicable to anybody who's dealing with mental health issues it's like man one of the most difficult and scariest things to do is to vocalize whatever it is um so it's definitely a thing and with i, I will say like with the military of as many critiques as being someone who's in the service with as many critiques as I have, they're one of the people who I've never seen anyone spend as much money, as many resources. Like they have a separate budget for mental health and for suicide because they know it's like a huge issue. I have personal. That in itself though, it's like, well, but where's that budget going? Is it to make sure that like, Oh, sorry. (laughs) Well, well, I have personal opinions and and critiques about like the approach they're taking because I feel like because mm-hmm. I feel like the military has so much money they're able to kind of just throw money throw mm-hmm. resources into like not not that it's not nuanced or not sophisticated or not a a like a sharp shooting approach but they're they're kind of able to just say we're putting this amount of money and this amount of resources and personnel into the issue without maybe being a more nuanced in case to case which anyway but all that to say like me being someone who didn't develop suicidal thoughts until I got into the military. And it was largely because of, if not entirely because of the circumstances I had to deal with while in the military, when I actually went to go seek out those resources, 
like I got to take, like kind of like, I think, I think Vince's circumstances are a little similar. I could take time off work. They're paying for it. It's entirely free. It's a part of my healthcare. I can have as many sessions as I want with as many people as I want. If it, if it becomes an issue where I need to get medicated, that's going to be paid for. So what I will say is like, one of the things about it is like, man, if you're listening and like you're in the military and like, you're just like scared of like losing your, like I highly encourage anyone in the military to milk the motherfucking military for every dime and dollar that they're willing to spend for you on mental health, like counseling, therapy, clinical psychology, medicine, re like everything. Cause they're going to pay for it and they're going to take care of you. And at the moment you say it, the moment you go to a supervisor or a health clinic and say, this is what I'm dealing with. They're going to treat it seriously at least the health clinics they are going to treat it seriously and they're going to take you into consideration and actually get you like the help you feel like you need. And they're going to sit down with you and figure out what's going on. So like, yeah, yeah. That's all my I would love to see and not to get on my, uh, fucking, my soapbox. Well, first in general, like I, I we're in a, like a resource rich enough society where we should all be in a position to milk the same resources that Kevin has access to. So that I, I would love for that to be the conversation as we go through COVID, but a piece of the conversation that I would love to see become more prevalent and it hasn't. Um, and I don't know if I've done my job in even talking about it myself, but is like the idea of mental health. Yes. It's becoming more normalized to talk about it, but the way it's normalized, it's still like as an individual affect, like it's us suffering from mental health as opposed to what are the, the, the so things <laughs> I wasn't going to say the M word, but like what, what things in society lend itself for us all to have depression and anxiety. And it's not just, it is material conditions, but I mean, um, and it's not just a pandemic, but like, you know, like the, it's not us malfunctioning via depression and anxiety. Like I would say it's a malfunction of our society. And I don't think that we have that kind of conversation yet. Like, oh, why are we all so alienated and all feel so, like, we're, we're already alienated. This is just exacerbating this. So why can't we have a conversation about, okay, when we open society back up, how can we be a less alienated society? How can we be more communal? How can we be more empathetic? How can we have uh, more economic stabilities, aka our material interests? Like, I, I would love for this to be a time where that conversation to begin to evolve. And I do think that's very unlikely, but in my, my dreams, that would be what comes out of this because what better time to talk about it when like y'all said, like we're all dealing with mental health. Right, it's the idea of artists creating dystopian art versus utopian art and the utility of both, right? Because like, actually I'm finally almost finishing this book by, have you guys ever read anything by Naomi Klein? I, it might be Naomi or Naomi. No, but I feel like you've recommended stuff I think before. I told you, yeah, before that I had started her book. Um, Cornell West wrote one of her little back of the book like mm. recommendations. And she actually mentioned that book you said you were reading, Vince, um, In the Wake. Mm. Right? That wasn't it? Yeah. Um, which I'd love to come back whenever you finish. I need to go. I need to get, yeah, I need to get back in that. But anyway, she was writing about how in large, like basically the, the working class, the majority of people, when they have risen up and, and enacted however successfully large scale change in their societies of the magnitude that is necessary for us as a world to address the intersecting crises of climate change and racism and capitalism in the way that it functions. Like she was writing about how back then the popular readings were utopian 
utopian mm. stories. And the, mm. that is part of what made them successful because it wasn't just people angry and recognizing all of the issues with their current society, which is what dystopian art serves to do, especially like sci-fi. It was, mm. okay, yes, we're rejecting this, but we have something to say yes to. Whereas I feel like everyone, right, there was all that talk when Trump got elected of how like books like 1984 surged in popularity because everyone was like, oh my gosh, like this is what's happening, you know, this mm. is where we're headed. Whereas like, can you guys even name a single modern work of utopian fiction? Uh, you know I can't. <laughs> or let alone like TV show, like what are all the popular TV shows right now? They're all like have dystopian end of the world apocalyptic vibes. And it's like, we're just all like loving how we're like, oh, that's so pointed. That's so, but we have nothing like, no central narrative of like, but what are we looking toward? Which I feel like is what Vince is saying in context of mental health, but obviously we need it in a broader context too. Like not just what are we against, but like what what can we look toward? You know, and Utopia, I read this, I think it was in that same book. Yeah, she included this quote where it was like, the purpose of Utopia is not that, it was something like as you're walking toward it, you're not, Oh man, I'm really screwing it up. But basically it was like the function of utopia is that it keeps you walking towards something. It's not of course that you're gonna be able to realize whatever mm. that standard is, yeah. but it's something to walk toward, you know, mm. instead of running away from something with no set path. Yeah. So. Mm. Well said. I agree. If, yeah. if we maybe spend more time, I guess like applying that, like spending more time daydreaming about what post pandemic life could look like as opposed to just clamoring for back to normalcy um but i mean to be i mean to be fair like we're all doing mental health like i don't i'm not faulting anyone right like it's yeah. easy to just be like fuck let me i just i'm sick of the situation but also I, I i feel like it's a missed opportunity because when what what other time in history in our lifetimes will we ever all be in a similar situation with the type of mental health precarity that we all have as a entire literal entire society regardless of demographic yeah have you guys seen those the, there's several different versions of this list actually i would say vince i feel like that conversation is sort of happening but it's not in the national spotlight because i've seen the list circulating where it's like you know suicide prevention does not look like posting hey mm. call me if you need to or the national suicide hotline it looks like universal health care it looks like a living wage it looks like you know bubble it like basically a lot of the thing you know have you guys yeah. seen those mm, i've seen some but I feel like it, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even see like specific reference, but I, I, I feel like it's easier for most people to find that like in the quote unquote genre of politics as, as less as applied to like mm. what happens out, out of a pandemic. Like it's not rooted in that, which I, I feel like we need. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I'll say this, as far as I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about like what, how, how mental health and suicidal thoughts need to be more or at least people feeling comfortable to admit they've had suicidal thoughts needs to be more normalized. And so, of course, going back to my military context, um, I think it'd be cool, like, and of course, this would need to be applied to, like, the, like corporate, nonprofit, every context. I just think it'd be cool if, like, in the military specifically, like, man, like, for example, you can't wear jewelry and bracelets and stuff like that because it's like when you're, when you're in uniform. When you're in uniform, you have to wear the uniform. Mm -hmm. You can't have, like, jewelry unless the, unless the bracelet is, like, in commemoration, in commemoration of like someone you knew who like died in combat. I think it'd be cool if like they like for uniforms, if you had like a patch or like for a bracelet where you could like, ident you could self identify as someone who's had suicidal thoughts to more normalize 
like the fact that like you can be someone who has suicidal thoughts, who has mental health issues and still be someone who's like a high ranking military person or a normal person in your community or a leader mm -hmm. or uh, someone who like hosts volunteer events or not, or a nonprofit sector person or a corporate person. Like I, I'd be, I think it'd be cool if like, like, you know how like, um, like cancer yes, survivor, like cancer survival, or you guys saw like those in my intent bracelets that everyone was wearing. That was like really cool to wear my intent. It was like a little bracelet thing. And you put like a word on it that you wanted to make a part of your life of like, etc. So like, there's all these very trendy hipster things that come out of, like wash your hands was like a cool thing the Kardashians did or Scott Disick did when like, when the when COVID first happened, it was like, it, they basically made something that was a social responsibility into a trendy fashion thing. I just think it'd be cool if like across military sector where it's not necessarily a fashion thing, but an identifying thing across uh, nonprofit sectors, across corporate sectors, across every sector, whether it's like nonprofit, military, corp, whatever. I just think it'd be cool if like every, every, every sector created its version of, we're letting our people as a part of their work uniform, identify as someone who like has had suicidal thoughts or had mental health issues for the sake of like normalizing it. So you, you might see people like celebrities or like CEOs or like really rich people or really artistic people or normal people just have these self-identifying brands of like bracelets or necklaces or t-shirts or whatever you can wear in uniform at your job that makes it like, oh, I didn't know he had suicidal thoughts. Like if, if, I, could, if I could walk around my base with some sort of bracelet that let people know like I'm number one, my job in the career has a clearance, which is really hard to get. It's an Intel field and like, it's a very specific, unique, hard job to get. So if people saw me walking around with a bracelet where I identified like, man, I've had suicidal thoughts and I'm still, I still have my job. I still retain my clearance and it didn't hinder my, my career. I think it'd just be like inviting for people to be more open about mental health, but that's just my little soapbox feel about how we should like fashionize and normalize people being able to vocalize their mental health issues or even their struggles or their havings of suicidal thoughts. No, I love that. I keep picturing like fucking Elon Musk doing that and like doing it for profit and like feeding us drugs to make us stay in like depression, but then like giving us, you know what I mean? Like I can just see- yeah, Another dystopian story idea. Yeah, I, can just see, I can see capitalism just really appropriating that for all the wrong reasons, but I, but I genuinely think that's a good idea. That's interesting. I feel like I, I don't know if I would want, I mean, I, I respect the idea. I don't know if I would want to do that, but in other news, um, this week at, <laughs> at the grocery store there's this certain type of vegetable that i've been eyeing for a long time and i finally decided to buy one and i'm gonna try stir frying it so all right tony i thought you was gonna say an eggplant for two seconds and i was about to be like is late that was good right See, I didn't want to do it right after you had your whole beautiful idea, Kevin. Just my response be in other news. So thanks, Vince, for sliding in that little. Yeah, I was trying to think of like a comedic relief ending, and it was good. That joke was. Thank you. It was. It, I tried. <laughs> thanks for joining the Bottomless Podcast. Please, if you enjoyed today's episode, click subscribe, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at. Bottomless spelled B-T-T-M-L-E-S-S -S, podcast, all one word.